I think the biggest thing, and it was in my life, and it's what I've taught young moms for years, is that you have got to eat the wisdom books, Psalms and Proverbs. You have got to be in them every day. Mm -hmm. You have got to ask God, you know, if you were sitting right in front of Him, and He said, what are your issues today? You would write down three bullets and say, these three, God. And I'm asking, do I move? Do I make a request on behalf of my child? Will you help me with your word today? Hello and welcome to Candid, where we never settle for less than the truth. I'm your host, Jonathan Youssef. Each week, we'll tackle tough issues, answer your hard questions, and take a candid look at the Christian faith. Today, we're talking with Connie Musselman and Jeannie Brostrand, who combined have more than 50 years of experience educating, working with, and nurturing the hearts of children at home, in the church, and in schools. Connie currently serves as the Director of Children's Ministry at the Church of the Apostles with a BA in Bible and Christian Education. And Jeannie currently serves as the Director of Parent Mentoring at Redeemer Day School and has previously served as a lower school principal at Whitfield Academy, a Christian private school in the Atlanta area. Together, we'll tackle the tough issues that most parents are facing, including myself, Like, what does it look like to raise our children in a technologically savvy world? How can we help guide our children's hearts towards Christ with the appropriate discipleship and discipline without being overbearing? With their wisdom and my experience of being a dad for three whole years now, we're going to look at the gospel through the lens of parenting. Join us now to be encouraged and challenged. Connie Musselman, Jeannie Brostrand, thank you so much for taking the time and being on Candid Conversations. Thank you for having us. (laughs) Um, So we're talking about raising children in this day and age. And the first question that really comes to my mind are having an awareness of what parents are asking. What are the things that parents are coming to you and asking about their children? What are the obstacles that uh, these parents are facing? Well, one of the first things that comes to mind is our culture and how different it is than, for example, when I was raising my children. One of the things is technology. There's a wonderful book entitled Glow Kids that talks about the impact of technology on the brain. Our brains are plastic, basically, if if you will, and it has a negative impact Not only on the imprinting of the brain, but in a sense of as they get older in middle school and upper school, the gaming, um, very careful about those kinds of things because they can become addicted. Well, and let me just follow up on that as we're kind of opening that conversation is you're seeing schools, public, private, everything is doing this push towards uh, screen. Well, I mean, we obviously have the Zoom things within the, the sort of COVID culture, but you're seeing schools that are trying to invest heavy amounts of money in iPads and these sorts of tech devices. Do you see problems in that, in what you've just sort of described and, and how do those kind of Absolutely, look I do. In fact, in my, my background working at a school, very much did not want to expose the children to technology until they were in middle school. Mm -hmm. They need to learn to write and to speak well in front of their class. 
it, it's a matter of time yeah. and, and priorities. And at that age yeah. level, that is the most important thing for children to be doing. Reading, writing responses, speaking, maybe collaborating in a group. They'll learn the technology. And one thing that comes to mind is Steve Jobs and all the tech yes. gurus out in Silicon Valley, they do not send their children to schools. Yeah, they don't the want technology. their kids on the technology, right? They don't. Yeah, They send them to the schools that are called Waldorf schools, which they work outside, they plant gardens, very minimal technology. Now, if they, they know something we don't know. Yeah. They're inventing the technology. <laughs> They're inventing and the then... technology and they don't <laughs> la- allow their children yeah. to get on it. Yeah, mm-hmm. I totally, totally agree. And I see the unbelievable slide in the last 10 to 12 years, really since the iPhone came out and the inability of children to focus or think or process like they did. And so I totally, totally agree with you. And to answer your question of school and the push for technology. I just feel like one of the questions maybe parents need to ask if they're not asking it is, dear God, what do we do with technology for our family? Even if we have to stand alone and we look different from everybody else. What I see about asking questions is that a lot of parents don't even know the questions to ask right now. What questions should I be asking? What should I be praying about seems to come up. Or, you know, just realizing that God wants us to come to him with questions. Yeah. What do you think is creating that, for lack of a better word, that ignorance? You know, a a parent sort of starts raising a child and then says, I don't even know the right questions to be asking as it relates to education or spiritual lessons. I can agree. I think it, it feels like there's a bit of sort of groping around in the darkness. Back in the day, maybe when we were raising, you know, families lived closer in yeah. proximity. And the mom, the grandmother, was the go-to. Yeah. And that advice was so yeah. wise yeah. and Christ-centered advice. And I think that while there may be a proximity of families still being blessed by living close to the next generation, I think... In today's culture, where moms might be more inclined to ask their friend, who's yeah. also or struggling, they're googling are it. Googling it. Abs- that, that's very yes. That's asked. what they're doing. They yeah. have a question where they might have called their mother or even their grandmother, and instead they just Google. Or ask their friend, who's mm-hmm. also raising the same age yeah. children with no more insight, Pooled really, ignorance. and and, and <laughs> maybe not as much, you know. Yeah. So that's right. The Google. Yes, the Google Mm -hmm. information. And really, um, the pattern is set in Scripture that the older women are to teach the younger women how to do all of this, love their husbands and their children. And that question is not happening enough. How do I do that? So to get to the, the issue that's being raised, which is they don't know what questions to ask. What are the questions to ask? One of the main questions that a husband and wife needs to ask is what is God like? Mm-hmm. Maybe not. What is he doing right now? Because he doesn't change, right. but what is he like? Mm-hmm. And what does he think of me? And what is true about him? Mm-hmm. And he is good and he is sovereign and he rules. Mm-hmm. But what does that mean? Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. And so in everything they're like, well, I don't like what he's doing in my life. 
I don't like what he's allowed. and Therefore, I don't want to know what he's like. Yes. But the question should be, what is he like? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And to take that one step further, since he's like this, what does he want my family? Mm-hmm. What does he want my role as, mm-hmm. as wife and mother to be like? Yeah. And his authority comes down and then I am my children's authority figure. And how does that look? How mm-hmm. can I reflect the love of Christ to my children and still mm-hmm. require a first time obedience? Mm-hmm. How does that look in the day to day? And the universal non-optional principles of life that sowing and reaping and mm-hmm. authority that we are under authority, whether we like it or not. Whether we like our child's teacher this year or not, this is the one he gave. Yeah, There are cards on the table that are put there by God, and we need to understand and teach those things, responsibility, just general biblical principles, fruit of the Spirit, kindness, gentleness. I'll never forget when one of my children got a teacher that was really hard. And even now looking back, 30 years, I I can say this teacher would get the award for being the hardest teacher any of my children ever had. But I will never forget God showing me from his word, the verse, through good understanding comes favor. And we worked that verse and thought about that verse and knew that we must not understand her fully for us to have favor with her and that she probably didn't understand a lot of things about where she was in life. And we prayed for favor for her and for understanding all year long. And the Lord taught me so much that year about that Mm -hmm. verse when I knew he put my child with her and I had to trust him with that. Because back then you didn't just go and say, I want him out. That's right. And I can relate to that as well, Connie. I had a situation with one of my children And I did something that I always told parents not to do. I'm embarrassed to say, but we learn from our mistakes. We learn from our mistakes. (laughs) There was one teacher that I felt was so strong spiritually, Mm. and I really wanted my child to have her. And so um, I made that request, and it was heard and it was implemented. She thought. But when the names came out and the teachers did their phone calls, it was the wrong teacher. And I was devastated. And so was the person who I had gone to 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 make the class list. Long story short, it was God's hand of sovereignty. Mm -hmm. And she even said, do you want me to, I said, I would never do that to a teacher. I would never change at the beginning of a year and pull a child. No, this, Mm -hmm. this, Mm -hmm. I don't understand it. And, and I'm sorry in my heart, but there is a, there's a reason. And as things played out, it was such a stretch of my faith. And it was such um, a good lesson to me to let God be God. Yeah. Let God be God in this. And, that was such a good experience for me to have because mm-hmm. when other parents came to me and wanted to make a request, now I was able to either say, I will listen, but I need to factor in a lot right. of things. Right. Um, I could say, and let me tell you, 
mm-hmm. about a time yeah. that I, I, so I understand what you're saying. Mm-hmm. Let me share with you. Yeah. And I think the principle behind it is that children are stronger than we yes. realize they are. And we're That's trying right. to be their shield That's and right. their defender. And that is not our job. That's right. Right. They're more resilient. That's and so, so that feeds into another question, which is how do you find control in the balances of these things? Right. So you're, you're not finding control, but parents want to exert a certain amount of control mm-hmm. on these things and they want to be the shield and they want to make mm-hmm. sure. So let me ask a two part question. How do parents balance out what's best for their child without being overbearing or allowing for that resiliency within a child? Because there are times where a parent does need to step up and be their child's advocate, right? Mm-hmm. But then there are times where you're trusting in, in God's sovereignty. And I think probably a, a lot of questions that parents would have would be, how do I know which is which and how do I navigate those things? Well, I think the biggest thing, and it was in my life, and it's what I've taught young moms for years, is that you have got to eat the wisdom books, mm-hmm. Psalms and Proverbs. You have yeah. got to be in them every day. Mm-hmm. You have got to ask God, you know, if you were sitting right in front of him, and he said, what are your issues today? You would write down three bullets and say, these three, God. And I'm asking, do I move? Do I make a request on my behalf of my child? Will you help me with your word today? And you read those books. You read, I read five Psalms every day and Proverbs. So I cover them every month. And God, whatever you say, I will do. And you put yourself in submission to his word and you spend time in it. And you might read in the morning early and you might in the afternoon or evening, sit down before bed and read the same passages again. And you'll see something totally different and more, but it's that time and that submission. But I would not proceed without, if you want to do it God's way without asking him. Absolutely, Mm. He will show you his his heart's desire is to provide out of his word, or it might be a, a prayer that you're praying and he might bring somebody into your life that day. That very day. They might be in, down, walking down the halls and run into Connie Musselman and say, Connie, I have this situation. He provides, though. Yeah. He is faithful and he does provide either through his word or through a very his wise people. or his people. Mm-hmm. And also to take it and answering your question, you know, you hear the term snowplow parent, you know, right. where where the parent they're clearing to, the path, they're clearing the path. Yeah. Um, children cannot learn if <laughs> they right. don't fail and make mistakes. You know, I always would would say to parents, we won't let them fall and break their leg, but we will let them skin their knee. Sort of a a picture of Mm. that's how they learn. I think in answering it, the short of it, Jonathan, is that health and safety, if something isn't safe, that's where we draw the line. But if it's something where they will learn and they will stumble and I think the best thing parents can do is to get their own security from the Lord. And then they're not hoping that their child adds to their identity. Our identities Mm -hmm. are are from Christ in Mm -hmm. us. And that's all the sufficiency we need. And that takes the word insecurity right now. And and the Mm -hmm. is like a theme word for parents and children and parents Mm -hmm. are, Binding their children in insecurity when they take care of everything for the child. Yeah. 
It's just, it's crippling them. So what is the motivator behind that, behind the snowplow parent mindset? And I've been trying to think through this question uh, even through yesterday, which is, are you seeing parents wanting their children to be faithful or do you see more so an emphasis on success? I was just going to say it's success and it's an idol of success and it's an idol of control Mm -hmm. and appreciation. I'm getting ready to teach on all these idols tomorrow. So it's fresh on my mind, but it's success. I mean, Mm -hmm. when I came here before I came, I had an older pastor sit with me and and he said, okay, you, you would be a children's director. How would they measure your success? How will they know if you're doing a good job? And he said, because I'll tell you right now, parents want their children to be successful. That's what they want the most. And what are you going to do about God? It was the greatest refining question. And these are parents in the church. Mm -hmm. And what I've been surprised at through the years is how many parents do not even really introduce themselves to their children's Sunday school teacher because they kind of don't want to know what happened. Let's just keep it a little more aloof than school. That's interesting, though. I Overhearing a conversation of a friend saying we were talking about covenant homes and raising children. I was talking about how, you know, dad describes the three leg stool mm-hmm. of a life of a child, yeah. which is the home, the school and the church. And that is as long as there are two strong legs then the third one, you could go to a, a certain type of school that may not be a, a covenant school or whatever, and your child would still be more or less fine. And this friend of mine, I overheard him say, well, my kid's not getting it in the home. And I thought, oh, okay. So I think you're right. I, and these are church-going people who are, they know that, that that those things are not being taught in the home. And this goes back to something we talked about earlier, which is, I'm now putting greater weight on the role of my school to teach these things to my child because either I feel inadequate to do it or for whatever reason it may be. And so I'm hoping that my church is teaching my kids at Sunday school, though I'll keep my distance because I don't want them to know what's happening in my home. And I expect my school to be doing even the Christian aspect of teaching. You cannot pay a Christ-centered school enough to rear your child. It will not take the place of parenting, of good parenting, no matter what the tuition is. And I do think that parenting is such hard work. Mm -hmm. It's 18 years of very hard work. And that's really the mindset that parents need to come into this with. You know, it's just parenting a two-year-old is quite different than a 16-year-old. But nonetheless, it's still what God's design is for children right. and their children until mm-hmm. they're 18. Right. And it means it means saying no to other things. It means saying no to other things that take time. Mm-hmm. I have 18 years. Susanna Wesley said, 18 years, I, I'm going to do this. Yeah. Yeah. And times how many did she have, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and And even when they leave... I always say they, they just mm-hmm. find a tree near the house and they sit there and chirp. <laughs> right. They're, yeah, right. They do. They're still there. They're yeah. still there. And you're, uh-huh. you're once a mother, you're, uh-huh. you're a mother. You're a mother. Right. Yeah. It means, it means saying no, you know, and just like 
Paul said, you know, godliness means saying no to other things. Mm-hmm. It, it has. This yeah. is, well, and a lot of that plays back into the success model, right? right? You know, I want my child to be successful athletically, academically. Mm-hmm. I, I worked with a, an assistant pastor in Australia, and I remember he used the illustration of his son on a Sunday morning, and he brought him up, and he says, okay, uh, here are your books, carry your books. Mm-hmm. He's, you know, obviously heavy books. Uh, you need to study these. You've got tests and quizzes, and you need to know, you know, and want you to be successful uh, academically. And then, uh, you know, hey, you've got rugby practice. Here's your rugby helmet. Put your mouth guard in and, and uh, you know, swim and goggles on. And he's, I mean, the kid can barely hold everything in his hands. And he says, oh, and we need to be memorizing some scripture verses. Can you read this verse for me? And he's got a mouth guard in. He can't read it. And the point is we're overweighting our children mm-hmm. with these things to the point where, you've taken scripture and you put it on the almost like the last, Oh yes. And don't forget this thing. And then if you go and you, if what they hear about God is God wants me to be happy. God, God is um, for me. No matter what I do, God loves me. And the parents are like, don't you dare uh, teach about sin or hell. (laughs) Who God is. So everything is just, God is all this good, good, good for me. And they hit the teenage years and, that's not what they see anymore of God and they're, right. they're gone. Right. They're gone. They're done. Yeah. Mm-hmm. One of the things I tell young moms is to be aware of the spirit of a child and how much glorious music feeds that spirit yes. and how yes. um, to be very, the ear gate and learning to mm-hmm. listen, keeping that open for words about God. You just, you know, they say, you know, Paul Tripp says they when they yes. hand you that baby in the hospital, the rescue has begun for the soul of that mm. that child. The rescue has begun. Mm. And you're praying and you're believing mm. and you're asking for God to take the spirit of that child and mm. just form it. But if it's always noisy and always busy and always burdened like you shared so well, yeah. how do you find God? How do you find out what he's like in here and slow it down? Yeah. I always like to encourage parents to, as you just said so well, Connick, slow down. Mm -hmm. Allow your child free time to be bored. Out of boredom boredom comes creative play, Mm -hmm. comes just that sense of knowing I can fill this time Mm -hmm. myself. That's how they gain confidence. That's how they become creative. Well, and that's God's nature, right? And it's, he's a creative God, and that's something a, He's given to us. Absolutely. We, I just wrote everything about structured, that, as a matter yeah, of fact, yeah. in my little weekly mentoring moment. And if every minute is filled, a child doesn't have time for wonderment mm-hmm. and to watch a bug crawl across mm-hmm. the back deck. These are wonderful yeah. moments yeah. of childhood. Mm-hmm. You know, once they get older elementary school and yeah. middle school, that time, you can't capture that back. Right. You cannot capture that back. And the wonderment of God, and I was saying to moms, you know, one thing I would do over, if I could do over again, would be to not do my devotion so much when the children were in bed, would be to have that Bible out on the counter yeah. in the kitchen yeah. and read a song, mm-hmm. read a Proverbs, read it out loud, mm-hmm. but just have it there. And say, you know what, let's see what God's word said about this and talk about mm-hmm. how God, we can see him in the beautiful 
sunset and sunrise and the leaves that blow and the colors of the leaves on the trees and God designed that. Right. Um, it is part of our our day to day. It's not for Sunday. Mm-hmm. It's not for whatever, but it's just that embedding that talk about it in Deuteronomy 6 where it tells parents how to, because it's the parent's responsibility to to teach the child. Spiritually training up your child. And we talked about Mm -hmm. some of the little elements of showing them God's, you know, through nature and sort of Mm -hmm. a lot of the Romans one uh, Mm -hmm. elements. But Connie, actually one of our producers said, she'll never forget that you described raising a child as putting in the hard wiring into a child for like a home, but that the Holy spirit is the one that comes on and switches on the lights. And and she said, Mm. I want Connie to answer. How do you wire the home? Well, I'll tell you one thing that I just (laughs) thought of when Jeannie was talking is when I was a very young mother, I read an article by Ruth Graham, Billy's wife. Mm -hmm. And she was talking about raising their children when he would be gone overseas for weeks and months at a time. And she had Bible study desks. She had one desk in in their home where she, her Bible was always open, but then other places in the house, she had open Bibles. And when she would walk by there, she would look at it or she would think. And I remember praying and I said, God, and we just hardly had anything. And uh, my husband was a youth director. And I said, God, I don't even have, we don't even have a desk yet. And literally within the next three months, three people offered us desks just out of the blue. And it was like, God said, I want you to do this. Yes. And so I did have Bibles open on those desks and I would walk by. And I think one of the things is what our children know, what delights us. Mm -hmm. They know what we love. Mm -hmm. They know, you know, you could have a discussion if the house was on fire and we could only take one thing out, what would you take? And what do you think I would take? It's really funny what the, they might say. But, you know, we had that once and I said, I'll take my Bible. Look at all my underlining. I wouldn't want to lose this. Mm-hmm. But they know if they see you, even if it's you stopping and standing mm-hmm. over that desk and glancing mm-hmm. at it, mm-hmm. a little tiny one knows, oh, that's important yeah. to mommy. And they might mimic it in play in other ways. Mm-hmm. So I just think, you know, Deuteronomy's right. When you walk, when you sit. You know, yeah, putting them down, feeding them when you walk by the way, and you're talking about the living God, yeah, you're exactly and what He's like. So, that's the question is, what is He like? And at my age, I'm trying to figure that out. We never stop trying to figure that out. We don't. One of the moms asked about structural devotion time. Mm -hmm. How do you piece that together? What does it look like? My guess is it probably looks, it may look even different for each child because they all have different mm-hmm. strengths and weaknesses and that sort of thing. And what you're just talking about is, is that modeling of, because it is a little mm-hmm. bit of monkey see, monkey do. Mom and dad clearly have something that's important in that. Maybe there's something in me that I should be emulating that. I think you have to know your family and your family routine and, and what works best. Dad's schedule. So you it's yeah. it's not one size fits all, yeah. I don't think. Yeah. No. Um, it's it's more what works for our family without you know, well we we can't quite do it this way. But that's okay. Yeah. So I think family altar time, a devotion, 
a scripture reading, depending on, again, the age of your children. I think it's great if you can sing together. Yeah. As a family, there's so many wonderful songs, you know, of just mm-hmm. little little verses, m- maybe memorize the Lord's Prayer together, the 23rd Psalm, little scriptures that, you know, your child's coming home from school with maybe, or yeah. that the Sunday school is providing, or these are the character themes, Mm -hmm. you know, all this can be woven into a a family devotion time and it doesn't have to be long. And I just think flexibility Mm -hmm. is important rather than it becoming a real legalistic Mm -hmm. thing where children just think this isn't fun. This is not fun. So you don't want to equate God with not fun, (laughs) you know, Well, that, that's part of our story. You know, we yeah. would read the Jesus Storybook Bible at night, and then our son quickly figured out, this means I'm going to bed. And so he would say, no, I don't want to read that book. And I thought, uh-oh, he's now associated the book with something he doesn't want to do. And so we, so now we read it at different times, and he's now got a new energy See? for reading it yeah. at night. But it's at his yeah. saying, hey, can we read one of these Bible stories? Well, I think that one of the mm-hmm. first things we need to teach little people is honor. Mm-hmm. What does it look like to honor somebody? Oh, daddy mm-hmm. got an award at work. Daddy was honored at what it means. Mm-hmm. And like about once a year in a group class, I will say, I will pull one kid up to the front of the room who I know can handle, I know can handle it. And Jack, come up here and stand here. And Okay, everybody cheer for Jack. Come on, clap clap and cheer for Jack. Come on, louder, louder, cheer for Jack. And Jack is standing there with a smile to beat the band on his face because what happened, and, and I say, what happened when you started cl- um, cheering for Jack? What did he do? He smiled. And what do you think God does when we cheer for God and we honor God and we sing a song to God? What do you think he does? He smiles Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and they get it. That is just like an act of honor an act of worship, Mm -hmm. but we can show it in little ways. Mm -hmm. Let's take as a family, let's take 10 minutes to honor God today, right now. Just make it authentic and real and I just, I, agree. I love to do mm-hmm. that. I, mm-hmm. I keep waiting for the time. It's not going to work when the child doesn't smile. And they do. I, they always do. <laughs> <laughs> always do. We all love praise. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> well, and so coming back to the, that sort of rigidity idea that comes in and, and one of the moms in our group asked, how do you raise kids without the sort of dogmatism or legalism that can be, and I've met and talked with a lot of people who grew up in homes where it was just this way or no way. And as we talked about learning God's character, that's one of the things that they get. God is this rigid force Mm -hmm. that insists on obedience and has Mm -hmm. no other characteristics almost. And I think too, with your question with legalism and, you know, it's, it all goes back to our relationship Mm -hmm. with the Lord Mm-hmm. And our parenting flows out of that. Yeah. You know, the more you're in God's word, the more that you desire to come under his authority, mm-hmm. you'll be a better parent. If you know God and you know his ways and you desire to please him as your heavenly father, he is not going to withhold from you any good thing that will help you become the parent that he has called you to be. Mm -hmm. It's um, 
a trust. He will translate for you what he's doing in your life. And you can help translate for your child. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, through this pandemic to Mm -hmm. sit down with your children and say, guess what? Because I never realized I only cooked two meals a day. Now I'm doing three. I never realized that. And, you know, we were driving somewhere every day Mm -hmm. and I hardly Mm -hmm. am driving anymore. Do you notice the difference in my and and you're translating yes. how your life is yes. a bit and how God is teaching you things? It yes. keeps it real. Keep it real. A big issue, and maybe it's a regional thing, but I the conversation that I have with a lot of parents, particularly when it comes to education, is public, private, mm-hmm. homeschool. The last thing I want to do is ask you which one is right because I think we'll end up upsetting people who don't necessarily have options. So I guess if you had a words of wisdom for each parent in those camps and what, how they're kind of wrestling with those decisions or wrestling with where their child is. I would say the one that's right is the one God calls you to. Right. And it might be one this year and different next right. year, right. but that as you're evaluating how your child learns how they respond to authority, the ability of your family to provide for a private school, a million questions that God uncovers his will. And there are no right or wrong answers. Right. I would agree with that. I do think, again, what I find is being taught in the public schools is concerning Mm -hmm. to me. Very. And so if that is the choice that your family decides, you'll have to be very hands-on in the curriculum. You'll be very hands-on with the school and you'll have to perhaps unteach some things and be very intentional with your faith. And it allows for some critical thinking because there, you do have to show the contrast, I think, but it's, you know, it's almost better to have that when they're young versus when they go off to university and they don't have mom and dad to say, hey, I still don't understand, you know, mm-hmm. my professors mm-hmm. are teaching it this way. And so that's really all. I'm not being told anything mm-hmm. different. Mm-hmm. So I just take what they say as fact. When I was in eighth grade, I was in a very, very difficult public school. And I can honestly say that my soul was vexed every single day mm. through all out assault And I will never forget the peace and joy I felt when my parents put me in a Christian school. I always say it's damage control. No matter what you do, you have to be careful to, again, honor God in what you're doing and make sure that you are listening well. The first component of wisdom is listening. And you listen to your child and you listen to the teacher and you listen to God. But I agree. And I think, you know, just with today's culture, not knowing who the teacher might be. You know, the word says when a child's fully trained, he will be like his teacher. Mm. That always gets my attention because the being part is the core of an individual. The biblical worldview that is taught in a Christ-centered school, I'm very fond of. Sure. <laughs> As too. you would be too. I know you are. kind. Of. So the basic five components that make up that biblical worldview are who is God? Who is Jehovah, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? Who is man? How is man? Who is man? Man and woman. Creation, 
moral order, and purpose. And those four things will be taught either from a secular humanistic worldview. You know, you don't have to define those to teach those as a, if I walked into a public school and saw what was being taught, but I do worry about the curriculum that is being not taught and that's being taught in in public schools today. It's not the same that was taught when I was in school. I totally agree. And I, from my experience and when I was young, I said a biblical worldview is Mm -hmm. of the utmost for my kids to like you wire the house. Like you had just said, To push against that, though, if all the Christians leave the public sphere, the public school sphere, who's left to speak into darkness? And so this is really the conversation that I think some parents are having. And, you know, we saw it particularly in 2008 when you had an economic collapse. And a lot of these parents who had their kids at private Christian schools who could no longer afford them sent them to public schools Mm -hmm. And I think you began to actually see some real traction where those kids were starting to make inroads uh, with their friend groups. I'm not using this to prove a point or anything. I'm just saying these are the types of things that at least I kind of battle around with in my head Mm -hmm. could. And again, it's unique, I think, in each circumstance. Mm -hmm. Like you said, it it could change the next year. If my child, I feel, has great leadership qualities and is strong in their faith, could they go to a public school and be of great service for kingdom purposes? Yes, they're still malleable with plastic mm-hmm. minds, as you mm-hmm. described, Jeannie, but are they getting enough reinforcement from home and church to where they can go almost out into a mission mm-hmm. field in some sense? And with critical thinking, interpolate almost what mm-hmm. the teachers are saying to them and say, this doesn't jive with my worldview. I want to go home and talk to mom and dad, a youth leader and somebody so that it's, you know, now that sounds quite difficult to me. I wouldn't mm-hmm. wanted to do that at that age. I think I would have rather just said, just give me what I need to know. And then it helps me out with my future. And I think that's what you guys are saying, which is you're building on those foundations, which is helpful. I guess I'm just thinking at it from a different perspective um, that some parents may be considering. Well, and if you live in a community that you know you have, a, say, an elementary school that is, um, they have responsible teachers in there, they are they Judeo-Christian ethic, um, and you're watching and you're knowing in its community and you see and you're, you, you know, you really see the difference in, on holidays. You really see it at Christmas and mm-hmm. the songs the children sing sure. or, or whatever, mm-hmm. but when you um, you follow it and you listen to God as a parent yeah. about what to do. Yeah. And I mean, I've followed a lot of people through the years who sent their children to a public high school when they were ready and they were amazing salt and light, in yeah. that. but They've they were not suited mm-hmm. with that backpack before they were ready. Right. Mm-hmm. Fear is certainly uh, a buzzword. Most certainly this year. What are the fears that you're, hearing from moms and dads and it may come back to things we've already talked about, but fear is typically drives people to making decisions and, and, you know, problem solving and whatever it may be. When you're talking with moms and dads, are you picking up that there are particular fears that they have um, that are driving them to make certain decisions? I think they realize the nature of our country and the state of affairs that our 
our mm. country is in mm. spiritually. And I think they fear wondering what it'll be like in 20 years, you know, when their children are grown and young adults themselves, what that might be look like. And in thinking that being preparing them, what, what do I do differently yeah. Yeah. to prepare them for a world that they may live in that may be a lot different? I agree. And I think the timing of the pandemic with everything going on in the cities, what I'm hearing from moms is it's been very good for us to stop. Mm. We have had amazing family time and we have cooked together and talked together. And I mean, I think that it's kind of, it's very providential that God has given that time. And I, I more than not, think that there are going to be some changes for the good in the future scheduling and everything else, because it's like, Oh, this is how it is to breathe. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Reprioritizing. Exactly. I agree. Having dads at home more. Mm -hmm. This one takes us on a slightly different shift. One of the moms asked, why are kids bad at home and good at school? Well, you know, we're always training children. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Children are, they just pick up so much without a word spoken. Mm -hmm. They understand that sometimes at home when mom or dad says something the first time, maybe they, you know, we all, you know, maybe there wasn't follow up. There wasn't inspection of what was expected. And so we train them not to listen and not to obey the first time. Well, that may be with one child, but at school when there's 15 or 12 in a class, you know, they see that there's a lot to be said for that positive peer influence too in the classroom and that the teacher, they're trained that the teacher really does mean when I say to do this, you you need to do it. And, you know, that's not everything, but that's one part of it. And, and I think that training in first-time obedience is exactly mm-hmm. the thing. Mm-hmm. And you don't have any room to not obey at school. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. you're out. That's right. Yeah. Right. That's right. And so it's very insidious. You don't realize you're say, saying it three times before, you know, they do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You don't realize it. You don't realize you've slipped. <laughs> you have yeah. slipped down the hill. You need to just have an adjustment where you sit down and say, today's a new day. Yeah. Now I'm going to say it and I'm not going to warn you anymore. I'm just going to say it and you must listen. And when you hear it, you will wish you had opened. Your listening skills will develop. And you know, I'm glad you said that because I remember every now and again, we would have to have family time at the table and have to say to our children, you know, we, we have not been the parents that God wants us to be. We have let you do things and not do things and not obey mommy and daddy. This is yeah. going to change. Yeah. We need to get back. We need to obey God and what he's called us to do. Mm-hmm. And so just know, which is exactly what you've said. You do have to get, I think it's only fair to, if you've kind of gotten lax in that area mm-hmm. is yeah. to have a come to Jesus meeting, mm-hmm. if you will, yeah. and set the record straight again. And it's, you know, this is what, But I always like to tell parents, if you don't have the energy, mom, at the end of the day, and I get that, if you don't have the energy to inspect what you expect, then don't give that directive. That's right. It's better off just not 
to give it. Right. Because you're, you're sending training, mixed signals. You're sending yeah. it. Exactly. You have to inspect. Yes, sir. That's right. Do you find um, discipline is almost like um, a swear word with these younger, with younger generation parents? Well, I think that uh, once again, it comes down to, they don't even know the question. <laughs> right. And this is the generation that everybody got a trophy. So that's what they're looking at. And they need to be gently told it didn't work, did it? And I've had so many moms come to me and say, my mother never disciplined me and it did not serve me well. It has not trained me. It has not helped. It didn't help me any of my life. And I do not want to do this. What do I do? So... I think it comes down to asking the right questions and just talking with people who have done it and not Googling it. This isn't a Google question. These are people. This is not fixing a hairdryer. <laughs> These are people. Made are, in the image of God. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's, it's, it's the hardest work ever. But again, it goes back to God will show you how to parent. If your heart's desire mm-hmm. is like this young mother that you just spoke of is is to mm. do what's right by your children, right. he will he will be faithful mm-hmm. to that. Yeah. And it may be through a person at the church, yeah. it may be through a grandparent or parent, it may be through a book. I mean, there are so many mm-hmm. wonderful there are a lot of parenting books that are garbage full of it's self-esteem, trying to build yeah, self-esteem, yeah. self. Yeah, that's yeah. the big thing that now, is isn't the, it? That, and that is the, the yeah. false, mm-hmm. false way. And so that's the trap. But to go back and say, you know, I, w- mm-hmm. I wasn't humble with you. Mm-hmm. I answered quickly. Or I talked to daddy how I, I don't like to talk to him that way. And I, I asked him to forgive me. And I, I don't want to be sharp like that or whatever. But mm-hmm. you... I think you model constant mm-hmm. humility. Mm-hmm. You just mm-hmm. model yes. it. Yes, yes, I agree. And and we're, we're we are sinners. We are broken. Mm-hmm. We are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, self esteem. I mean, you think that would be the one thing that children would not need to be taught? They don't. They don't. And this is just the last thing here. Is really you've mentioned it now, but resources. And we can put a list of maybe each of you have three to five resources that you recommend for parents that they must read. Anything off the top of your head. Well, anything by Elizabeth Elliot, um, her her raising the Christian family. I think you did shaping. a book study, shaping the Christian family, Connie. I think you did a book study on mm-hmm. it. So anything by Elizabeth Elliot, Paul David Tripp, Ted Tripp, mm-hmm. um, John Roseman, John mm-hmm. Roseman, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Parenting by the book. He wrote. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, that's one of my favorites. By it him, is. I think I would reiterate that Glow Kids. Yes. Also, Jonathan, because that's the technology piece that will help parents understand Mm -hmm. that. And Tim Elmore. Okay. Three most important things a parent can do for a child. We've probably covered it, Mm -hmm. but if we had to reiterate it. Say no. (laughs) John Roseman calls it vitamin N. Vitamin N. (laughs) Say no. Um, Model your faith every Mm -hmm. day and talk about it in the simplicity of life. Look in their eyes and respect that child and realize mm-hmm. this child will bow before God one day. Whether it's willingly or unwillingly. That's right. Every knee will bow. And these knees, these little knees will bow. And I will tell this child the truth. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Jeannie Brostrand, Connie mm-hmm. Musselman, thank you so much for coming on Candid Conversations. Thank you. Thank you. Candid is a podcast from Leading the Way with Dr. Michael Youssef. Don't forget to connect with our social media pages on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And subscribe to Candid Conversations on your favorite podcast platform so that you never miss an episode. While you're there, please leave a review. It helps people to find us. As always, thank you for listening to and sharing this episode.